Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Bully Pew Podcast brought to you by Protestia.com, where you can go, of course, to get all of the latest in Christian polemics and discernment news. You can support us financially uh, if you are so inclined and join the fight that way by going over to Patreon.com forward slash Protestia. And starting at $5.95 a month, uh, join us on a financial level. You'll get ad-free browsing on Protestia.com. You'll get the full version of Protestia tonight, which I promise you is coming back to a video format very soon. Uh, We're getting very close to the end of the work and the the remodeling and all that. Uh, As some of you know, I'm pretty busy, uh, got a lot of irons in the fire right now. And so I'm trying to prioritize that because what we're doing around here is very important to me. Um, and yet I'm, I'm kind of playing, uh, if there was such a game, uh, such, such a, you know, a game, I'm playing lawyer simulator right now. Uh, I keep seeing <laughs> all of these, all of these other, uh, you know, video games out there that are talking about, well, this is farm, farm simulator and goat simulator and auto mechanic simulator. And, and I kind of think to myself, if you're going to spend all that time learning how to play the game, maybe just learn how to do the real thing, especially like auto mechanic simulator. It seems like perhaps your time might be better spent learning how to, I don't know, like change your oil, change a tire, do some do some maintenance and stuff like that. Assuming you own a car, it's 2024, and um, you know there there's a, a higher and higher percentage of people out there that just choose not to own vehicles, I guess, anymore. That seems weird to me, but I'm getting older. Uh, anyway, this <laughs> this bully pew uh, podcast is gonna it's kind of gonna be uh, I, I suppose I'd say it's preaching to the choir a little bit. Let's. Let's go with that. This this seems like a, a preaching to the choir kind of a program because we're going to talk about uh, tone policing. We're going to talk about the the rules, if we want to say it that way, or the realities, the framework of argumentation. And it seems like every time I think we've kind of covered this and that uh, that, that people understand, they know what's going on, they know. Uh, uh, you know what the Bible says about these things, and in in some cases, what it doesn't say. Uh, there, there's another example, and this one is. Uh, I, I expected a little bit of blowback, uh, and frankly, haven't seen a lot of actual vocal blowback over this. But yesterday on the intelligence briefing, I got kind of a, a wild hair, and I thought it would be maybe instructive, slightly entertaining, but but primarily just making the point. Uh, cutting through the noise and making the point about Alistair Begg's comments. We've been talking about that uh, on multiple programs now. And, and, and honestly, I think it's worth spending multiple programs talking about it because it's such a, such a, a clear example, um, such, a, such a concerning thing. Uh, it should set off a lot of alarms, uh, a lot of red flags to see um, somebody who almost everybody accepted more or less, not on everything, but more or less a solid, uh, trustworthy minister of the gospel, um, commit what I would, what I would argue is, is a incredibly egregious error and purposefully speaking. I mean, you know, people were asking, well, do you want to asking Alistair Begg, apparently, do you want to recant? Do you want to change your position on this? Do you want to say something? Do you want to clarify? And his team is like, no, he doesn't want to say anything or clarify. You know, he, he's, he said what he said. And that's a consistent response because if you remember from the quote, 
before he even talked about the example, before he even talked about what he recommended to this person, this grandmother, I guess, or, or whatever, uh, he said, this is, some people aren't going to like this, or this is going to make people mad or something like that. He, he clarified and said, I know people aren't going to like this, which, which indicates he thought it through. This is, this wasn't a misstatement. I keep seeing people on, on X formerly known as Twitter and, and other social media platforms saying he misspoke. He didn't misspeak. Come on, people. I mean, <laughs> I thought I thought we were uh, more mature conversationalists than that. To say he misspoke is clearly not the case. Misspeaking would be, you know, Donald Trump, uh, you know, talking about Nancy Pelosi and saying Nikki Haley. That's a miss. That's that's misspeaking. I mean, I knew in the moment I heard Trump say that that he was trying to say Pelosi. I, I didn't take it necessarily as some sort of indication of Biden level. Uh, you know, uh, old age mental problems or something like that. I took it, as, it you know, when you speak as much as uh, some of these guys do, some of that stuff happens. It's not particularly a pattern with him as much as it is with Biden. But I mean, that's a, that's misspeaking. That's a misstatement. That's something that you, you clearly meant to say one thing and said another. Uh, Alistair begs his, his recommendation to this woman to, in order to, I guess, maintain the relationship or show uh, this transgender, transgender marrying uh, relative of this person, Christian love, uh, that you should you should attend the quote unquote wedding, the ceremony, which is nothing but a ceremony uh, celebrating abject uh, immorality, celebrating um, and promoting lies about God, lies about His creation, lies about what He's He set up. Uh, lies about the very nature of reality. I mean, it's, it's just, it's grossly offensive, um, to, to attend and thereby give your approval, your tacit approval, because that's, I mean, these, these are ceremonies celebrating what's going on. The people that are there are there to lend their support to it. And certainly, obviously, if you bring a gift, even more so, but you know, whether or not you bring a gift, your attendance there is, is approval of what's going on. There's no doubt about that. That cannot be denied. And yet Alistair Begg's position of, well, you know, you should risk people thinking you're a big hypocrite. You should risk doing something totally in opposition to what you supposedly believe about the truth. You should lie, in other words. Um, you should, you should uh, lie not only against nature, but against the God that created nature um, for a shot at... Uh, a shot at convincing this person that Christians aren't really that bad after all, and there and and thereby maybe they'll start maybe they'll listen to you about Jesus once they realize that you're not the hateful bigot that they thought you were. It's it's insane. Um, and he he doubled down when asked, "Hey, are you gonna you gonna make a correction?" His people are like, "No, he he stands by what he said." Okay, we we have no reason to think that um, that that's not, that's not where he stands. And so I decided to make the point a little bit more directly. And in the intelligence briefing yesterday, uh, opened up with a little, uh, satire parody bit saying, you know, this is Alistair Begg. It was like a, like a little, you know, like we've done before, we've done this with a lot of people, but like, you know, like a fake, a fake radio announcement or a fake advertisement or a fake, you know, little statement in there. I thought it was clear. Like when I put it together, I thought it was clear. This is very clear that this is not Alistair Begg. But apparently even like some folks that uh, uh, listen to us pretty frequently and, and that we know and we're friends with, uh, they weren't sure. They thought, well, maybe this is this is real. So, oh, shoot. You know, that well, I thought it was pretty obviously satire. 
Um, certainly with the controversy right now, it would be the, the exact worst time for Alistair Bay to come out and say something like, like what I, you know, uh, uh, made him say in the, in the satire. And the, the, what I was trying to do was basically say, hey, if, if, what, if his recommendation to this person was legitimate, if it was something that is actually not sin, not a problem, not, not concerning in some way, then I'm, I'm going to uh, basically you know, make another statement that would be consistent, would be logically consistent with the positions he took in the first statement and put it out there and watch people clutch their pearls to say, oh, that's, it's even worse now, but it's not worse, it's the same. Um, now, in, in retrospect, it's possible that me saying, you know, throwing the, the little Pride Month reference in there was, you know, probably maybe jabbing him a little too hard. I don't know. Um, I mean, the, the, the little bit, and I didn't put the bit separately, and I didn't even reference it when we started the actual intelligence briefing program. And so maybe that's my fault for not uh, making it clear. Guys, clearly this is parody. Clearly this is satire. Um, I thought it was pretty obvious, but I guess not. Uh, but one of the, one of the things that was said early in there is, is I, I basically said, Hey, you know, uh, as Alistair Begg, I'm saying, Hey, a little bit of, of donations to uh, truth for life radio program between now and pride month will, will go to, uh, buy tracks and gifts for Christians to, to bring, bring with and attend the, uh, you know, quote unquote marriage celebrations of their lost loved ones, that, that kind of a thing. And, you know, so maybe it irritated people that I referenced Pride Month because obviously Alistair Begg would never be in support of something like that. We, we, we assume, we assume he'd never be in support of that. Now there's a big question mark because he's, he's recommending uh, that Christians go along with the deception and the lie in order to supposedly reach people. So, uh, you know, the, that's, a, that's an open question at this point as far as I'm concerned. Um, but the the reaction was from people that actually voiced the reaction. There was there was some obviously some support, and then some people who were clutching their pearls and saying, "I can't believe you would say something like that." And that's a lie. That's slander. Like it didn't it didn't matter to him that it was clearly satire. And even after we said it was satire, like yeah, but but still, but still, it's still false. I mean, that's still slander. You said you you made it seem like he said something he didn't say. I mean, guys, yeah, that's satire. There was one person that was like, hey, this isn't the Babylon Bee. This is supposed to be straight news. And I'm like, have you been, have you ever like read protest yet? You actually read what we do? You realize that, that our that our journalism is opinion journalism. It, we're, we're, we're not the Associated Press or attempting to be, even though I would argue the Associated Press isn't uh, neutral either. Uh, that's that that's not, you know, news reporting is part of what we do for sure. But everything we report on, uh, we're very clear about our bias, our position. Our bias and position is as uh, uh, Christians, Bible-believing Christians, conservative Christians, um, as if I, you know, there, there, there's not really another kind in, in many ways. But I mean, you get my point. That's our position, and we make no bones about it. We tell you straight up: this is what we believe, and so these things that we report and talk about, we're going to opinionate from that perspective, and that's going to be in the text, in the narrative, in the way that we approach a story. Um, this isn't this this isn't straight up. We're not Walter Cronkite. We're more like uh, um, you know I don't know. Throw anybody out there: Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity. What this is a again an opinion journalism uh, that we're engaged in. And so it, it was it was very funny to me that somebody was on on X saying, "Hey, this isn't the Babylon Bee. Just stick to what you guys are supposed to do." Like, and part of me wanted to say, "What? 
who are you to tell us what we're supposed to do? Like, I'm sorry, is what we're doing for you not free? Like, are, are you are you paying for a for a subscription or something? I'm not aware of. Or are you just a person on Twitter that decided decided that you didn't like my satire of Alistair Begg, and so tried to try to catch us on some sort of a technicality? Like, you guys promised to only report the news. Like, no, we, no, we didn't. <laughs> we've satirized uh, mega churches. We've satirized Kyle J. Howard. Uh, satirized Jory Micah. Satirized Joe Biden. Um, a lot, of, you know, it's not a big part of what we do, but it's part of it. We're just regular guys and we're, we're open about what we're doing over here. But the, the, the thing that's, that, that I really noticed, uh, uh, even, even more than that was, uh, how, how many times does Protestia share a clip of the latest, uh, you know, snake handling, um, you know, charismatic insanity, you know, going on out there, the, the, the latest, you know, supposed worship service that is anything but, and it's insane and everybody knows it's insane. And it's, you know, it's clear that, that, that we're, we're making a point here about the dangers of those kind of movements. But, but to our audience, it's, um, you know, it's, it's low hanging fruit to a certain extent. And folks who, uh, who see it, gladly like it and share it and talk about it and express their dismay. I can't believe that, you know, this is going on and that's not a real church. And all of these things are true. All of these reactions are true. And then yet when we start to do the more difficult work, when we start to say, we're going to call out somebody that maybe you liked, maybe you were supporting their ministry. Maybe you listened to their radio program, but this is an error. We know it's an error. You know, it's an error. Um, it's a more difficult call to make. It's a more difficult thing to have to address and talk about. Um, and we do that, all of a sudden, everybody turns into the tone police again. Or, or they stay silent. I mean, I, I'm, I am shocked. I mean, I shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't say that I'm shocked. I'm just disappointed, I guess, um, at some of the like named ministers out there who have uh, appeared with Alistair Begg before, um, or they've been critical of other uh, problematic Christian personalities that Alistair Begg has uh, been on platforms with. And they're generally very solid. I would trust them. And yet they, they haven't said a word about this. They haven't said a word about it. And I, I understand to a degree that, hey, there's, there's some pers- maybe some personal loyalty here. Uh, and, and, and whatnot, There's, that can be a factor. But the most loving thing you can do for somebody who is really on the verge of just ending poorly in terms of his ministry, his, his, uh, his, his Christian walk, uh, the most loving thing you can do is do, you're, you're, you should be doing exactly what Alistair Begg should have recommended this grandma do. And stand up and say, uh, make it clear, no, I can't support that. I'm not going to even play around with the idea that what you said here isn't indefensible. Uh, it's, it's the same error. And this, this, this sort of uh, relationships over the truth uh, way of doing ministry or doing discernment or deciding how to speak or react about something that's you know, public error it's got to stop. I mean, it's, it's, it's just got to stop. And 
Yeah, I mean, I realize it's easy for me to say that as an outsider, as somebody who is not part of what we like to term conference Christianity. You know, I don't have I don't have the the long list of um, acronymed credentials behind my name and appearances with so and so, and I'm not I'm not being invited to some panel to speak about this or that. You know, some panel to address what discernment blogs have been addressing already for two or three years. You know, I, to, and hey, now the adults, the, the more mature institutional uh, voices are coming in to save the day after the rest of us are shot full of arrows and bleeding on the front of the battlefield. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not going to be part of that. That's not, that's, I don't believe that that's true, not only to who I am, the purpose of this ministry, um, but it doesn't accomplish the work we're trying to do. As soon as our readers or our listeners or the people that support this ministry think we're going to pull punches because of who it is that said something, because of personalities or associations um, or alliances, that we're going to not say what needs to be said publicly, it, as, soon as, as soon as they think that, the entire purpose of this ministry is invalidated. We, you can't say my allegiance is to Christ and the truth and God's word and then start to say I'm going to um, decide when to voice the truth about something, when to confront something that obviously needs to be confronted because, well, I like that person or, hey, they're too important to the movement or, uh, you know, we they, – they, they've been um, uh, supportive of us in the past. Therefore, I'm, I'm not going to say, not going to put out what needs to be said. Um, and that doesn't mean willy-nilly you just start spraying uh, everywhere. I mean, discernment still needs to be discerning. It's, it still needs to be done uh, with care and with, um, with understanding of the context and um, the relative importance of uh, what you're talking about. So, I mean, every single day I'll see things that I, you know, have little disagreements with uh, by people that I, that, I, that I think are solid and I think are, are, are uh, you know, faithful brothers and sisters in Christ online. And we have to be judicious with our time and say what, we're going to try to address the things that are the, that are the biggest concern. The problem is in this case, in, the, in, the, in this Alistair Begg thing, people are, many people are doing this upside down. They don't understand that uh, such an egregious uh, error by somebody with such a solid track record and somebody somebody with such a good reputation in Christian ministry is a much worse problem. It's so much worse. This isn't just this isn't some uh, you know progressive uh, lost person uh, you know false teacher online that has a track record of saying insane things and awful things and lies and false scriptural application in the whole nine yards uh, saying yet another bad thing. That's not what this is. This is somebody who um, people, you know, believers thought that they could let their guard down with. We can trust what Alistair Begg says. We can trust his teaching on fill in the blank. And now we find out, well, he's been thinking through yeah, spending time thinking through and developing this this whatever whatever theology or application um, is behind what is objectively a false teaching, a false recommendation. This is a five alarm fire in terms of 
um, discernment. And yet there are people online saying, yeah, you, you got to take into account his long track record. I mean, everybody makes little mistakes. He just slipped up. He misspoke. Um, and, and we know he misspoke because of his long track record of solid teaching. That's how we, I mean, this is just one, it's, it's, yeah, it's an error, but it's just one little error among a whole bunch of great teaching. And, and, and it's like, that's even worse. It's so much worse. He should know better. Um, you know, the James 3.1 comes into play here. You know, not many of you should become teachers. You'll, you're going to incur stricter judgment. Um, and, and so in, in light of that, and in light of him doubling down, and I mean, I would still have, even if he came out and said, hey, you know, this is what I was thinking, or, or maybe I, I did, you know, concluded this wrong, it's still going to, I mean, it still should cause discerning Christians to take a step back. You know, because, again, you have to figure out how did he get to this. He didn't just come up with this yesterday. Um, but even if he came out and, and corrected that, he didn't do that. He didn't correct it. He doubled down. He said, no, this is actually what I believe. This is, I believe that this is a, a viable position for a Christian to take, um, to participate, uh, to attend, as long as they know that I don't actually believe in what I'm doing. As long as they, they know that I'm website orthodox, on paper I believe uh, in, in the truth of the gospel, in the truth of scripture, and in the fact that what you're doing here is a, is a gross lie um, about God and about his creation, um, it's gross immorality. Uh, as long as they know that I believe that, then I can, I can go anyway. It's fine. They won't, you know. Never mind that, that any rational person is going to see that as a, as a hypocrisy of epic proportions. So, so to risk, it, you know, to, to try to get past them seeing me as a hateful person, I'm going to instead be a, a total blatant hypocrite. And I'm going to reorder the, 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 the two great commandments, uh, the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God, which means not lying about him not participating in or proclaiming things that are false about, about God. Um, and then the second one, loving your neighbor, I'm going to reverse those. And I'm going to say for the sake of, of trying to show love to my neighbor, my, my family member here engaged in, in gross immorality, um, I'm going to sort of set aside the loving God one. And yeah, I mean, I'll participate. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and along with you declare things that are false about God because I don't want you to think I'm hateful. I don't want you to think I'm mean. I want you to, I don't want you to think that, that, you know, what you thought already, that Christians are just bigoted and judgmental and all this. And then maybe you'll listen to me about Jesus. Of course, at some point, if you're a faithful believer, you're going to have to tell this person, Hey, Jesus thinks what you're doing is a uh, gross sin, a vile uh, thing that you're participating in. That's the, the real Jesus um, demands that you leave that behind, that you repent of that sin. You turn from your wicked ways. Um, you, you abandon this uh, sexual immorality that you were involved in to follow him. Like, when are you going to tell him that? I mean, if you're, if, if you're willing to twist what you're saying and doing um, in order to, to maintain the connection with this person and the possibility that they're going to think that you're, you're not the hateful bigot that they thought you were, at what point are you going to actually tell them, by the way, uh, coming to Christ, you can't take this transgender quote-unquote, marriage and relationship with you as sexual immorality and God despises it and you have to leave that behind. I, I mean, you're, it's, it's like you're, you're, you're false advertising. It's a bait and switch. 
being unwilling to unwilling to uh, actually live that live out that belief now, um, so that maybe later, uh, what they'll come to it on their own. You want to tell them is that, is that the way that evangelism the gospel works? I, I don't think that it is. So, um, but but beyond that, so again, we we got you know tons of folks who will happily share and promote every time we're talking about the latest charismania. You know, and we do that regularly. It's 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 worth it. Charismaticism is a is a major problem in the body of Christ. Uh, it's it, it leads people astray. It uh, it leads people to look for and worship falsely, uh, to look for um, signs and miracles rather than the truth of God's word as the um, the validation of the truth of what we believe. But uh, you know, we have a lot of people that 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 support us every time we put something like that out. And then when we do the difficult discernment, they run for the hills or they chastise us. And they say, you know, Hey, couldn't you have said that differently? Did you have to be, did you have to use satire? Did you have to be that direct? Is, is there not a better way that you could have said that? And of course, what they're talking about is, uh, basically, I don't, I don't like, uh, that you said it the way that you did. And so I'm not going to focus on the truth of what was being said. Um, and I'm going to blow your mind here. I know this is going to sound crazy. I'm going to blow your mind. The word of God, scripture does not have any part, uh, uh, any, any section of scripture that objectively defines what kind of tone you are supposed to use in any sort of um, tangible sense. And I know you're saying, wait, 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 hang on a second. There are, there are verses in the Bible that talk about being gentle and being patient. Love is kind. Um, you know all all of these all of these traits that are supposed to define uh, how we interact with one another. Um, you know verses that talk about how dangerous words and the tongue are, um, sharper than a two-edged sword. Uh, you know I mean just just I mean all of this the, these characterizations in Scripture uh, about uh, how we are to uh, speak truth and love. But those are not objective things in terms of how they can actually be judged externally and tangibly. I know I, I suspect with some of you, although I think a good number of you that 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 follow this ministry and that that uh, read what we do and see what we do and all of that, you you know this already. I hope you do. We try to make it clear. Uh, it's important for mature Christian um, interaction to understand these categorical differences. But I think there's probably a few of you that are out there still saying, wait, no, 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 come on, man. I mean, the scripture says you're supposed to be gentle and patient and 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 do everything with love and, and so on and so forth. Um, but, you, but you're still missing the categorical difference. So when Paul tells the Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind, um, uh, it keeps no record of wrongs, and he, he starts defining these things, these are... Um, these are general characteristics for the conditions of our hearts as we do what we do. They're not um, objective standards by which we can externally weigh one another. I know that seems crazy for me to say that, but keep in mind that out of the heart uh, comes forth our words, comes forth our interactions. So if we are um, properly uh, in properly submitting our hearts to what is right before the Lord, our hearts, our motivations are correct. Our heart is in the right place. 
that will inevitably affect what is being said and being done. And the number one way that it will affect what is being said and being, and, and being done is our hearts in the right place will um, bring us to say the truth. So that what we say, not how we said it, but what we actually say will be true, will be verifiably true uh, when, when held up next to God's word. And this, it doesn't mean that um, if our hearts are in, in the right place, if our motivations are correct and pure before the Lord, that somehow uh, the listeners, uh, people that hear what we say, people that are subject to the truth being put forward will feel the right way about it. And that's the categorical bait and switch. That's the rhetorical uh, argumentative bait and switch that we cannot allow ourselves to fall prey to. This idea that uh, we can take what are characteristics of the heart, what are um, imperatives of our motivations before the Lord, our internal motivations, and turn them, try to turn them into external uh, judiciable standards by way of our emotions, because really that's the only way that you can turn that into an external judiciable standard. So, so for us to take, you're supposed to be loving, you're supposed to be gentle, you're supposed to be kind and patient, um, so on and so forth, you're supposed to take these kind of um, internal standards and try to enforce them upon one another. The only standard by which you can enforce them is how you feel about it. Because if you're going to say, well, no, I can enforce that standard because they said in, in their not being loving and gentle, they said something that was false. They accused somebody of something that was false. Um, they, they, uh, uh, you know, said they, they blasphemed, blasphemed God or um, so on and so forth. Well, there, there are other standards by which you weigh that. So if you go back to the Ten Commandments, the Ninth Commandment, do not bear false witness. Do not lie. Do not say deceptive things, false things, lying things. That that is a result. That is a result of not having the right heart and the right motive before God. That is a result of those internal characteristics that Paul is calling believers to. That the, the scriptures call believers to. Um, and and but it it can be adjudicated and judged on its own merits. So, so I can say, hey, you know, brother, you lied about me. You bore false witness against me without saying, therefore, I know that you are also not gentle and not kind and not patient and all, all of these other internal uh, things that, that are routinely used to tone police people. And, and it's important we get this right because other, otherwise, if we try to take these internal things, and, and they are, by the way, they are commands. This, this isn't something that's optional. But at the same time, it's all something. Uh, many of these things are things that are not not judiciable uh, with one another. They're judiciable before God, um, and we are held to account by God for these things, for our motives. We're held to account by God for uh, for our heart, the condition of our heart before Him, as we do what we do uh, in worship, in a way that we can't be held to account by one another because we don't see these things. We can't see inside one another's hearts. But as soon as we try to do that, as soon as we try to say, hey, Scripture scripture has a whole bunch of uh, heart requirements for believers, and we're going to try to turn them into external things that we can see and judge objectively, 
Now we're now we're on the fool's errand. Now we're trying to uh, label as sin things that we can't actually objectively define as sin, and that's what you see all the time. So when when somebody online is saying uh, it's not what you said, it's the way that you said it. Um, okay, I mean you could probably you might be able to argue that hey maybe it wasn't good strategy, like maybe maybe you could have said it in a different way that would be more convincing. Fair enough. But as soon as you slap the it was sinful on there, now we're talking about a different category. Believers who say things like it's you know, it's not what you said, it's how you said it, and how you said it was sinful are applying a extra biblical judicial standard to what was said. And inevitably it, it will get back to um, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. And I know that it was how you, I know that how you said it was sinful because this person felt bad about it. They got their feelings hurt. They thought you should have said it differently. They would have preferred that you said it differently. None of those things are sin issues, folks. I mean, are we mature adults or not? Are we going to try to navigate by our our emotions like the world wants us to? The world wants, the, the world wants us to try to apply our faith and our practice and our beliefs within their human-focused, humanist judicial standard. They want us to try to live out our Christian faith by their weights and measures rather than biblical weights and measures, which are about truth and objectivity, not about um, so-and-so felt a certain way about it. Now, there is... there. Obviously, there's a little bit of an exception to this when you talk about, hey, I said it in a certain way. So-and-so was hurt by it. I know they were hurt by it. I could make, knowing that at this point, I could make a different decision in the future to still say the same truth in perhaps a different way because I know that this person might be hurt. This is a brother or sister in Christ. I don't want to cause them to stumble. Um, And so I can say this truth in a way that is, uh, you know, that, that I know, you know, reliably know would, would not needlessly hurt them or hurt their feelings. And so I'm choosing to do that. Um, yeah, there, there, there is a, a sense in which that could become sinful if you deliberately are hurting somebody. It's a, deliberately hurting them is, is, you know, knowing that is different is, is in a different category. But when somebody says, hey, uh, why are you talking about this? Why are you saying, why do you keep uh, you know, harping on Alistair Begg? Um, and they won't, they won't address what you're actually saying. They won't address the point, the doctrinal point being made, the biblical point being made. But instead it's just, uh, hey, you, you know, you use satire or you use a, you know, a serrated edge or you said this in a certain way. Um, you know that they are not operating under a biblical standard for judiciability, for, for, for judgment. Um, they're not actually judging the fruit because the primary fruit is the truth of what you said. They, they are trying to externally apply internal standards. They're trying to, they're, they're taking what the Bible says are heart conditions and motives and things that uh, really can only be seen and judged by God, and they're trying to judge them. And the only standard by which they can judge them is a subjective human emotional standard. So-and-so felt bad, or I felt bad about this, therefore it is sin. And um, ladies and gentlemen, that is sin. That to apply an unbiblical standard and pass judgment on the heart condition, 
motives of fellow believers because you felt bad about what they said with no regard to the truth of what they said is a sin. It is an unbiblical standard. It's actually, it's, it is not part of God's law. And we have to resist and, and fight and answer that every single chance that we get. We have to, um, if we're going to have productive conversations. I hope this conversation has been productive. Um, I hope that I can um, edit this audio to make it a little bit easier to hear because the, the last protesting tonight, um, it, it didn't sound as good as I wanted it to. I didn't have the time to d- dig in. I got a new microphone set up going on. Uh, in the mobile studio, as I guess I could call it. Um, And so I'm hoping that I can fix this and and, and get this a little bit clearer for you for this Bully Pew podcast for, uh, you know, whatever date it is, the 26th. Is it the 26th of January yet? Uh, Yeah, I mean, 26th of January, 2024. So moving moving right along, it's going to be an interesting year. Um, Anyway, have a a good uh, rest of your Friday. Have a good weekend. Go to church on Sunday. Um, gather with the saints, worship the Almighty, fellowship, um, engage in discipleship, sit under good teaching, um, and, and just love each other as the brethren. If you're in Colorado, perhaps I will see you there. And if not, I'll talk to you again real soon. Uh, for the rest of the team at Protesti, this is David Morrill, Bully Pew Podcast, Semper Reformanda. <laughs>